You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three, two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Anyone in the B2B world today, in business in general, understands the challenges of balancing personal and work life. The boundaries have become increasingly thin. Digital technology is nearly omnipresent. Flexible work hours, people working from home. The end result for many is just decreased productivity, inability to recharge and disconnect, truly connect with the lives and things that are important to them. Today, we're talking with Damon Burton, president of SEO National. See if we can provide easy-to-apply tactics and perspectives to help you drive the separation and boundaries, which will, in the end, make you more productive and effective. Damon, thank you so much for taking time, and welcome to the show. Chad, I appreciate it. Yeah, this is something that's always uh, fun for me to talk about it, so uh, I look forward to it. Excellent. So before we jump in, we always like to start with kind of an oddball question. And for this season or whatever we're focused on, you know, a lot of people are going to know you from your work, the things that you do, your thought leadership. But I'm curious to know if there's a hobby or something you're passionate about that those that know you largely in a work setting might be surprised to learn about. You know, I, I'll, I'll kind of answer that two ways. So one way would be, um, I, my immediate thought would be I'm a family man, but I don't think that's really going to surprise the audience. Um, because if anybody follows me online or looks me up, you know, the content I put out, I'm, I'm very passionate about my appreciation for my wife and my kids. But outside, you know, the number two answer is going to be like the super cliche answer that is the entrepreneur life is, is really kind of, kind of my hobby, but it really is true. You know, anytime I have downtime, I, I'm not a TV person, so I don't watch TV. Like if I have a minute in between where it's after hours and I shouldn't be working, but my kids are asleep. So I have the opportunity to do something then I'm usually trying to crank out, you know, something for work. So I guess I'm boring in that respect. You know, I like to do the travel thing and whatnot, but I don't really have anything surprising hidden behind the, hidden behind the curtain. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say boring, right? Everybody recharges in different ways and we find our fulfillment, you know, in weird places sometimes. And sometimes it just happens. We're lucky enough. And it sounds like you are to be doing something you're passionate about and that you love. And that's where you garner some of that ability to recharge and, and connect. So, I mean, Hey, if it works, then, you know, who, who is anybody else to say what's weird or what's not? Yeah. I'll tell you one thing I do that um, it's, it's still related to all the above, but it, some people find it interesting. I do what's called day trips. So I like going and hitting the beach, but I'm in Utah and there's obviously no beaches in Utah. <laughs> Um, so I'll catch like a 6am flight to San Diego and then like a 6pm flight back. So I'll just do a round trip in a day so I can go get sunshine, hit the beach, but I don't want to be away from my wife and kids for the night. So I'll just go do a round trip. So yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. The beaches in Salt Lake, not awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, tr- you know, I'm trying to be nice, but no, but I mean, it's beautiful to look at. Just don't get too close to that. Great soul yeah. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be stinking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Excellent. For our listeners, how about we give them a little context around SEO national, what you guys do and, and your role there? Sure. Yeah. I started SEO national in 2007. So last month at the, at the time of us, you know, chatting right now, that puts us at 12 years. And, um, when I, when I started SEO national, I, I obviously we focus on SEO, which is search engine optimization. Um, if you're not familiar with what SEO is, basically I work with my clients to get them to show up at the top of search engines for words that they can monetize. And when I started it, I said, you know, I don't want to be one of those agencies that says they do it all and then is mediocre at all of it. 
And as we found more success with, you know, SEO, probably the first year or two of, of the business, we did a lot of design. And then we started tinkering with SEO and we had a lot of success. And so at one point I said, you know, SEO is going to be our thing and we're going to commit to it. And, and so that's where we stick to. We don't dabble too far away from SEO. So go deep, be experts, own the space. Exactly. Excellent. It's, I mean, that's, you know, starting a business, I, I, I know firsthand that that's no joke. That's a tw- can often be a 24 seven type of endeavor. So when you went, started to go through that, when did the light bulb come on that it was really going to be important to maintain work versus personal life balance? I was kind of fortunate in some respects where I knew that in advance. I'm the oldest of seven kids and Whoa. I had, yeah, come on, everyone, everyone. <laughs> I, I wasn't, like, wasn't going to go there, man, but I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> like we all have it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I would see my younger brothers and sisters and uh, as I would spend time raising them, I would see how fast time would go. And, and so when I met my wife and, and I, you know, kids were on the horizon. We were married for five years before we had kids. But during that time, obviously, we knew at some point we'd have kids. And so I could very easily compare the potential of having kids with seeing how quickly my siblings had grown up. And then when we did have kids, it's funny, it's almost like an anxiety. I wouldn't say an anxiety because anxiety implies, you know, a, a negative part to it. But it is legitimately a daily thought for me of like how quickly my kids are going to grow up and making sure I spend time with them. So I was fortunate enough to kind of see that in advance. And so as I made the leap of faith into the entrepreneurial world, that was already there. And so I kind of structured things around it. And obviously I deviate from it here and there. And, you know, this year's is, it's kind of funny, like, you know, when you get into business, I'm not going to be the first person to say this, but when you get into business, you think that you're going to have um, all these freedoms, which you do, but you certainly don't work less. And (laughs) so, so, um, as businesses evolve, it's like, I almost go in these cycles where it's, you progress and you grow and you accomplish these great things. And then, and then you go smooth sailing for a while and then you go, okay, I want to go to the next level. And so then you grind it out some more and you put in more time. And so like right now, I mean like one of those next evolution phases where I'm, I'm putting in more time than I used to. So every time I'm in one of those little growth modes, family is still first. And so I still shut down at five, you know, 5 PM and I rarely work on the weekend. So where I get in my extra time is in the mornings because then I don't take away from time from my family because they're still asleep, but then I can still get in time. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I, if we were on video, you'd see the bags under the eyes <laughs> from, from the last couple of weeks, I feel like. But yeah, so long story short, you know, I was fortunate enough to see it in advance. And, and so I've, I've just kind of molded that into the, the process. And well, I mean, I would say that's, it's a, it's a very good gift to have that awareness because those, there are those of us, and I would include myself in this, that learn that lesson the hard way. Right. That have felt like, you know, I have to stay, I don't want to say up with the Joneses, but I I have to stay involved. You know, my CEO is constantly sending out Slack messages or whatever at at 1am. And if I have to wait until 7am to respond, I'm late. Right. So there's this built in anxiety at the speed of business especially when you're working for somebody else. And then when it's all on you, there's a lot of responsibility that comes. That's almost like a second family, especially as you gain employees. So to have that awareness early, I think should be applauded. The next step of that though, and and it sounds like you've mastered that too, is how do you shut down at five o'clock? Like I, I'm trying to remember the last time I actually, (laughs) and it has nothing to do. Like it's, it's, I get it. It's me. Like I could shut everything down at five o'clock, 
But I know if I shut everything down at five o'clock and walked away from my machine, I don't think I'd make it out of my office before I might like start shaking with, oh crap, I didn't do this or oh crap, I didn't do that. So how do you get yourself in that mindset? You know, are there tactics or things that you've mastered or learned that other people might benefit from that makes that, I don't want to say okay, but let's just say possible. Yeah. There's very clearly some things that I do, you know, definitive things. So some of those things that I do is, um, I don't have email on my phone is one thing. And, um, so I don't get those distractions and I don't have to worry about, I don't have that anxiety because they're not there for me to look at period. And so I don't have to worry about if there's an email in my inbox. So the only times I do get my emails when I'm on, when I'm working and I'm on my computer, but even then I've disabled the notifications and I've disabled the the real time downloads. So it's not that I get any less emails than anybody else. I mean, I wake up to 300 emails a day. And, but what I do is, is I check them when I want. And so I only check them, you know, probably twice a day because once I go in there, I want to commit to knocking them out. And so I don't want to go send an email. And then while I'm sending it, I see one that came in and go, Oh, now I'm distracted and I got to tackle whatever that email is about. So I just eliminate that possibility from even happening. And and so when, when emails come in or, or only when I push the button. So that's one thing. Um, I don't have messenger installed on my phone, so I'm not distracted by Facebook updates. So, and a lot of people probably be surprised to hear a lot of these things. Cause like you said, just the speed of business and it is the way it is nowadays, but the way not only do you have to come to terms with, you know, how to make things work for yourself, but you have to, especially as a business owner, like you were saying, you know, your boss is going to say you're late, like you have to clearly communicate to your network, your employees, your boss, your clients, whatever, how you roll. And so when I take on a new account, I'm very transparent about it. And it doesn't have to be a negative thing. It doesn't have to be a weird thing. You just have to communicate it. And so when we bring on a new account, we say, Hey, you know, I'm your point of contact and, but we're, you know, Monday through Friday and email is our preferred method of communication, but we only check it once a day. But we will respond within one business day at the latest. So, you know, you are guaranteed to hear from us within a reasonably short window, but don't expect it to be real time. And, and as long as you set those expectations, then there's no problems. The problems arise when you don't set those expectations and they are expecting it to be, to be real time. So I'm trying, oh, there's so many questions I have right now that are so completely <laughs> off script. So wait, I'm trying to wrap my head around literally no email on your phone. Like, are you no. rocking a razor? Are you rocking a... No, no, no. no. <laughs> I mean, because like, I don't... I'm start thinking like, what the hell would I be paying for this ridiculously priced phone if I didn't have email on it? No. So I'll t- two things come to mind. So now I got an iPhone. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, I mean, I'm not trying to be an ass, I, but I literally, I'm like, I start thinking like, what would I be doing with... I'd go back to the razor that that phone kicked ass. Like, I would love to have that back, but yeah. I can't do email. Sometimes like, I... I actually consider that sometimes like going fully not smartphone. Um, the main thing that I, I, I like, I, I obviously waste time on Facebook and whatever. And so a lot of my team, when we communicate, Skype is kind of our, the majority of my team works remote. And so we, we communicate via Skype. And so that's on my phone. But like what I use the most on my phone is, so I have an iPhone and I, and I, I have a Mac for a computer and I use an app called Things. And so like at nighttime, uh, yeah. So like at nighttime, you know, when you're, when your brain's running and, and you're thinking of things or what's coming up tomorrow, 
you just got to get it off your mind. Cause if you go to bed and you're like, Oh, tomorrow I got to wake up and I got to remember this thing. And then you just like, you're falling asleep going, remember this, remember this, <laughs> right. remember this. Then you just wreck your sleep. So I use things and I just bring it up and I type, you know, do whatever in the morning and then I save it. And then I can rest easy because I could just get it off my mind. Cause I know when I wake up, things connect from my phone to my computer and it'll just be waiting for me on my computer. So I use things a lot, but yeah, on the email, the email is one of those things that I actually have a very specific reason why I don't, you know, some of the other stuff is just something where I was like, these are the things that I want to adopt and no specific reason, but email, I have a point where I introduced that and what it was, was the, one of the last employers I had before I started my own company was this really successful entrepreneur, but he was a total jerk. And, um, <laughs> he was just like, blowing me up. yeah. <laughs> and, um, he was blowing me up and, and I had, uh, you know, you joke about razors. Uh, so like one of the first semi smartphones was T-Mobile had a phone called the sidekick. Did, oh did, yes. I, I had a sidekick. <laughs> I love that thing. Yeah. So I had a sidekick and I hooked up my, my work email. And I remember I was sitting at dinner with my wife and we were at, we were at Iggy's and, um, just eating dinner. And he was just like sending me emails and texts and like right there at Iggy's, I deleted email from my sidekick. And I was like, that is never going to happen again. (laughs) Uh, Now has it, okay. So I, I have a great deal of respect for the mental fortitude it takes to do that. Like I, I literally, I probably tonight I'm going to be trying to figure out how to wrap it up, <laughs> turn it off, email my phone. But I mean, if you set those expectations up front, completely understand that clients will typically respect, you know, kind of those boundaries, most of them, let's say. Uh, and then maybe though, honestly, most, some of those that aren't willing to respect those, maybe they're not good fits for the business because there is such a good, you know, there's such a thing as people that aren't just destined to work with each other. Right. Um, but I'm curious, have you seen it? Obviously we can see the positives, but has there been any negative blowback on, you know, from in terms of account management or the experience that your customers feel like they're getting from you or your team? Has there been any kind of anybody ever go, Hey, you know, I don't feel like I'm getting the attention I need, or you're not responding fast enough. Have you run into any of that or challenges related to that in terms of growing the business? No, I haven't. But what's funny is, is I was thinking to myself yesterday and I I don't know what rabbit hole I was going down, but I was thinking, you know, is that coming? And I don't know why I was thinking that because, you know, I've been in business for 12 years and it's never happened. And so I don't know if, if between yesterday's thought and you asking that if something's around the corner, but but no, I never have. I'm trying to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Honestly, I really, I want to learn. I want, I want to, I, I feel like you all of a sudden just went, like you just became the, the Jedi master and I'm trying to figure out how to turn on my lightsaber. Well, actually turn off the email on my lightsaber. Like I think what our time, what's con- what contributes to that. Why, why I don't think I've had any problems is in addition to setting expectations is having touch points. And this may not work for every industry. You know, some industries obviously are more time sensitive. Like if I did social media management, that's probably a different story because you need to be cranking out content four or five times a day and, and you need to have more real time engagement. Like if something crazy happens or related to your industry that you should be making a post about, then I probably couldn't do this. But what I do with, with my clients is we are super good at setting expectations. And so to, to give a more clear illustration is in addition to what I said before, where we just let them know, well, also what we do is when, when the campaign starts, there's a sequence of events in our CRM that kicks out to my team. And so, you know, one person in my team is scheduled a task that says, send the new client 
a welcome email that says this. And then in that email, it says, Hey, I'm so-and-so and these are the parts that I'm going to be doing on your campaign and look forward to hearing from so-and-so next. And then the CRM tells that next person to send their email and that, and it has the email templated out and they just fill in the blanks and they send that email and it says, you know, now we're in week two and here's what's going on and expect this by week four. And so they get all these things and these touch points so they don't have to ask questions and they don't, they don't have that eliminates the concern that you brought up of, Hey, am I getting the attention I need? Because we're proactively giving them that attention. Well, and you, I would assume you're probably giving them readouts, reports, things that they can turn around and present internally. And it's after 12 years, you figure out how to do that in a way that is intuitive enough that there aren't a lot of questions about, Hey, what does this mean? Or what does that mean? And, you know, to, to see a true craftsman in a tech space is an anomaly these days, right? Everybody's trying to master so many different things and it gets increasingly complex, especially if you look at, you know, the MarTech 5000, which is, you know, again, every time I say it, I chuckle because there's over 6,000 mm-hmm. companies in the MarTech 5000. <laughs> um, and, and, and it's like, <laughs> it's just a bad marketing. Anyway, sorry. I went off on that the other day. I'm, I'm I know my list. <laughs> we get it, Chad. Do you have a problem with 5000? Like whoever came with that name needs to revisit their marketing credentials. Anyway, so but when you look at that, when you when you look at that and have that customer experience, it's almost as if you have it mapped so well that you anticipate or have gotten to a point where you can anticipate how the customer is going to interact with you and your service or your team to a point that then enables you to also ensure your employee journey or your employee experience is optimized because there is the ability to shut off at five o'clock and respond to email twice a day. Is that something that sits in the forefront of kind of the way you run the company and the way you interact with your teams? For sure. I'm, I'm very process driven. Um, I've kind of loosely always been, but you know, it's, it's become something that I've, I've intentionally made an effort to, to really address and tackle. And so anytime we have a process, if there's a task that comes up more than once, it triggers something in my mind that goes, Hey, wait a second. We did this before. So we're probably going to do it again. How can we make this easier and document it? And so anytime we can, we document our processes and that that does a lot. You know, one thing that does is it improves the product that you can deliver because then you can't screw it up because you just have a step-by-step guide in front of you. The other thing that it does is it improves your workflow and you can do things better and quicker. So then you can move on to the next thing. Just like you said, it helps with the employee experience. um, So they feel more confident in what they're doing. It makes you scalable because then you can take on more clients with less time without worrying about compromising quality control. So I have I, I have a very direct intention in, in, in addressing processes when when an opportunity presents itself. Okay, so it's interesting to me. So I love the I love the focus on SEO, which I want to come, I want to come back to. I want to dive into that in a second, but I have to believe. Man, I so many questions. So you mentioned earlier the passing of time, right? So you know that, recognize that with your kids. I, maybe it's because I'm getting older and I'm in that phase in life where you think a headache is an aneurysm, 
or a pull, <laughs> you know, or a pulled muscle is. Like, I, I thought start. I had a heart attack today. Yeah, because yeah. Of my chest. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no, I just I opened the door too fast and pulled the muscle. Like I, you know, we're getting to that point. So, so I'm becoming very aware of this concept of time in ways that I had not been previously when I thought I was impervious, right? And in sales and in marketing specifically, at the speed at which those things move, time has a tendency, at least in my experience to move even faster. Like you and I were talking before we started hitting record that I've been on the road since January 6th. Mm. I've been to some really cool places since January 6th, but it is all a freaking blur. Yeah. Like, and you know, I was in Vienna for a week. I, I took a day and walked around the old city and I have to go back to my phone to look at the pictures I took. I can't remember how it smelled. I can't remember. Like I was, yeah. I was there, but I was not 100% present because I was already back on the plane, headed to the next yeah. client meeting, right? And I think that has a tendency to negatively impact the H to H, the human to human interaction that makes business fun to do, but also helps people build that credibility. I'm curious if you've found by setting those gates, setting those expectations and diligently maintaining that, has that impacted in a positive or negative way your ability to build those types of long lasting trust bound relationships with your customers? So it's kind of had different impacts. I'll compare customers versus personal life. So on on the personal life, you nailed the word exactly being present. So I have not mastered being present. And I think the problem is... So I, I, everything we've talked about so far, I, I do diligently. Uh, you know, phones are up. But the, uh, we have an auto attendant on our phones that just go off at 5. So like, I, I can't even control that at this point. So like, that's off at 5. <laughs> you removed the power. <laughs> yeah. So like emails, like I said, I haven't had my phone in 12 years. So like all those things are very legitimate. I do them on a day-to-day basis. But the problem that I have in being present is, um, you know, as a business owner, it's I watched the Dan Locke video the other day. And I was like, that's it. Because he goes, all right, business owners, let's be real. Like, when do you stop thinking about business? You don't, it's a 24 seven thing. And so I, I have that problem still. And, and so it's not that I'm not present. I just know I could be more present. You know, I haven't perfected it in that respect. I, in some ways I feel like I've perfected the, the discipline, but mentally that's probably always going to be a challenge a little bit. Just being a business owner, it's like in, in some respects, it's, it's like having another kid, but <laughs> yeah, I but I think, <laughs> but I think for me, I could probably pinpoint the bigger part that contributes to that. And that's because I work from home. So we, you know, my company owns a building, but most of our clients are out of state. And so at some point I said, you know, it doesn't really, it's not really advantageous for us to get together and work in this building. So everybody can just go home and work from home. So I I just started renting out that building. But the one thing that I noticed in doing that is when I would drive home, that that couple minutes of driving home gave me the opportunity to detach. Detach and decompress. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I don't have that now. And so, um, you know, I'll, 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 I'll be, you know, I have, uh, I'm fortunate enough to have a nice big house and, and I can have like this dedicated workspace that's off to the side of the house. But when I'm done with work and I go upstairs and it's time to play with the kids, they're like, dad, let's go downstairs and play. And I'm like, it just came from downstairs. <laughs> right. The commute got significantly shorter and it's not enough time to mentally detach. Yeah. So that's something, you know, the reason why it doesn't kill me is because I'm aware of it. And so I think there's a difference between going, Oh, why can't I detach versus 
I know why I can't detach and then like accepting it. But it's something that I, I continually want, want to revisit. So probably what I'll do is, you know, winter, if we had a perpetual summer, it'd be easier, but I could just go walk the dog after I get off work or something, you know, right. but winter really puts a damper on that here in Utah. And then that's half of the year. So that's, that's part of the problem is if I had the a consistent time frame where I could create a detachment, I think that would solve that kind of struggling problem. Yeah. It, to, um, to me, it's always a challenge because even in those moments, so I'm a big, um, I'm a big motorcycle guy. So I get on the back of the bike I live in Denver, so it's just, just on the other side of the Rockies for me. I, I get on the bike and I'll go up into the mountains and there'll be a moment where, cause when I'm on the back of the bike, especially with some of the California transplant drivers we got out here, not that I'm saying they're bad. I'm just saying they can't drive. Uh, <laughs> you gotta really be aware. Like you gotta really pay attention, especially until you get far enough out from the city. Cause you know, you're taking your life in your hands. And so, all right, there I'm 100% focused on not dying. <laughs> but when you get out to the mountains and you get into the twists and you get into the turns and you, and the beautiful scenery and the, the air smells different. And there's, there's for me, there's magic on the back of that motorcycle. Yeah. But then I find myself, I'll hit a moment where all of a sudden I won't be thinking about the business. I won't yeah. be thinking about a customer. I won't be thinking about prospecting or thought leadership or social. I won't be thinking about anything related to how I generate revenue and then before I can even really enjoy the fact that I'm not thinking about any of those things, I go, wait a minute, this is uncomfortable. I'm not thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I jump right back. Like, oh, oh shit. That was not cool. Like, wait a minute. Hold on. What was that? It was almost a, it was almost a moment of Zen, right? Like, yeah. Hey, I'm getting back into touch with the things that make difference. Now I have been. I mean, this maybe we just turn this into a therapy session, but I've been struggling with how to do this. Like, I, I don't want to be that guy that when I get, you know, 10 years from now, when I'm 55 or 15, when I'm 60, I don't want to be looking back almost well, shit. I wish I had done all these things or man, I missed so much, you know, friends family, and all that stuff. I don't want to be that guy. And so then what do I do? It's like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go read a book. Well, I'm reading a book to try and figure out how to turn off my head, which isn't turning off my head. So then I get caught in this endless spiral. And then I find myself three weeks later going, well, shit, I still have done the same stuff and, and I can't seem to break it. Like I can't seem to stop it. A whole bunch of people would be willing to tell you how to do it. I haven't found anybody who can tell me how to do it where it's actually effective. Right. Like you were saying that being present, like how do you be present completely in this moment? For me personally, and I know for some of the clients I work with, it's a huge challenge. It's a huge challenge for their sales teams, for their marketing teams, for their organizations. And I think it has huge negative impacts on the health and wellness of, of the individuals in the organization, but also the organization as a whole. I think yeah. you're ahead of the game, man. Like I'm, a, I'm applauding what you've been able to do. Like I'm literally looking at this phone going, wonder, I wonder if it would blow up if I turned on my email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, um, this is, so there's a couple things you brought up. I'll, I'll touch on, and, and then I, I still want to touch on. You had asked, you know, the impact on relationships with customers. So one of the things that I that's benefited me the most is you have to schedule it. And what I mean is I'm very committed to being a family man. So I schedule it. So I don't like schedule playing with my kids, you know, like, Hey kids, it's playtime. <laughs> you know, right. We got we to shut it off in 10 minutes. But what I mean is like in my calendar from eight until nine in the morning, 
is blocked out because at that point, if it's a sunny day, I walk my kids to school. Like uh, you can't schedule a time on my calendar. And then from three fifteen to four o'clock, same thing. If it's a sunny day, I'm going to walk to the school and meet my kid and walk them home. So I schedule those things that are important to me. And, you know, you might not, uh, obviously like just from high level, like walking your kid to school on a day isn't probably something they're going to remember even the next day. Oh, but you will. Yeah. You know, you I, I mean, that's what makes the world go round, man. Like that's why we do what we do. Yeah. So whatever it is, whatever your thing is, if it's a family like me with family or like, what reading, whatever, you know, you got to schedule it and it's probably not going to work the first few times. Just like you said, reading a book just actually makes it worse in some. <laughs> yeah. So you got to try it a couple times and, and it's almost like your, your mind has to go, Oh yeah, this is a thing. And, and so I'll, I'll embrace it now instead of like, uh, probably the first time it's like, huh? All right. <laughs> and then, uh, I buy the usually probably by the third or fourth time it goes, Oh, okay. I can let my guard down a little bit. And, and, and it's, you know, it is, it almost induces fear. Like it almost is, a, it's so unfamiliar, right? That sense of being present is so unfamiliar that I, I personally don't want to talk for anybody else. I personally find myself like I'll enjoy it until I realize I'm enjoying it. And then all of a sudden, like I'm freaking out. Yeah. I got to think about work. There's so much shit I got to do. Well, it's just, I don't know. It's, uh, I don't, I don't know that we're going to solve that problem on, on this podcast, but it has been an, a, an amazingly fun mental experiment. I literally took in very big letters, try killing email. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to try it. I, if you don't hear from me for a couple of weeks, <laughs> it may be because the experiment did not go well. Yeah. I mean, it's different for everybody. And I, I know other people that do the email thing once or twice a day, but they set auto responders. And so it replies says, Hey, I only do email once or twice a day. And that's annoying to me. Like I, every time I email, I don't want to, I don't want to see that. And so that's why I proactively set those expectations. But like the day trip thing I talked about, that does wonders for me. And it's funny cause I'll do it. And then I come home and I feel refreshed and then I'll, I'll be rocking for like a week and feeling recharged. And, and then I'm back to like the grind after that. And then I'm like, I need to do another trip. And, and then I, I push it out like a month. I, I really need to do it like once a month, but I, I kind of do it like once every two or three months. But every time I do it, I'm like, Oh, why don't I, I know I need to do this every month. Why don't I do it every month? Yeah, we joke. I've got a buddy. We we joke about how many miles we put on the Harleys every year. And there's a certain threshold that we joke we have to hit in order for us to be able to keep our biker card, quote unquote. <laughs> now, look, we're both white collar professionals that, you know, yeah. doctors, lawyers, and Indian chiefs kind of thing. <laughs> but but we joke about, hey, I, I almost didn't hit my biker card. That Now they're giving me a pink version of my biker card and it's on paper. It's not written in steel. <laughs> and it becomes this thing. So literally, I have started, and hopefully this is where I started it this week. I've blocked out two afternoons. And I'm not taking meetings. I'm not doing anything. I'm going to get on the back of the bike. It's supposed to be 75 yeah. tomorrow and Thursday. And I'm going to put a couple hundred miles on the bike and see if I can't maintain that when I am in town, Hopefully, hoping that that will help make me more effective across all of the other interactions that I have. Yeah. Yeah. You, you just got to fit. You got to experiment. Like you got to figure it out. The day trip thing works great for me. The bike thing works great for you. And like, I've tried meditation and yoga and, and people swear by it. Like, 
I no. I just I just can't make it happen. I can't. If you saw me, you would understand why that's even funnier. <laughs> <laughs> like six two, two hundred fifty pounds of just yeah, not coordinated yeah. on the floor. No, it's good. No, I, I don't get. I mean, I I respect those that can pull it off, but the minute you tell me to like clear my mind, that's the last thing that's gonna happen, right? So. Yeah. Totally understand that. All right. So let's, let's, uh, let's change direction here a little bit. Um, we ask all of our guests two standard questions towards the end of each interview. The first is simply as a, an entrepreneur, as a revenue executive, that makes you a prospect for a lot of sales professionals, right? So I'm, we're always curious to understand when you don't have a relationship with somebody where there's not a trusted introduction, what is it that captures your attention and gives someone, helps someone earn the right to actually get 15 to 20 minutes of your time to talk to you about uh, a solution that they believe will actually address some of your problems? What is it that captures that attention and works best to get in front of you? That was easy for me. I just cut the crap. I had a perfect example today. So like a year or two ago, we started window shopping for, for pools. And so that's like another one of those family things. Like, I don't want to go spend like 50 to a hundred grand on a pool, but I want the memories with my kids that come with it while they're still young. So we've been window shopping pools and, you know, a year or two ago, I was just like, uh, I don't want to bite that off right now, but then we're revisiting it. And so I've been calling on pools and like, just, I don't know if it's just because where we're at, but just dealing with these pool people are like dealing with used car salesmen. And, um, one thing I've really become comfortable with is like, is knowing that not having the right answer or the right solution right away is okay. And with the pools, when I called it quits last year, I was okay with that. Like I really want to pull. And what makes it worse is they're in such demand right now and, and they're like a year out. So if I made the deposit today, they're not even going to break ground until next year. Wow. Knowing that, you know, I I was like, okay, well that sucks, but (laughs) I want to make sure I find the right solution and, and that's okay. And so then I had this phone call today, like I've been calling other pool places the last couple of weeks and just the same crap. And then today I, find this other place that I hadn't talked to. And just like instantly I was like, all right, these are the guys, uh, the, the lady answered the phone and she was just like, Hey, and like, we were joking and she's like, well, you know, price depends on this and this. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I've already done my research. So, you know, here's what I'm thinking. And is that enough of a dating phase that we can move to the next <laughs> level in this relationship? And, and she just cut the crap. She's like, yeah. One of the things I said was, Hey, you know, I'm worried about this big tractor, this big backhoe driving on, um, you know, the point of entry to my backyard is going to be through my driveway, not a side gate or anything. And I'm worried about it breaking the concrete because I've seen as my other neighbors have got pools that busted up the driveway. And so I said, do you guys fix that? And she didn't even let me finish my sentence. She goes, no. (laughs) (laughs) And she goes, it's in our contract. You know, stuff happens and obviously we'll we'll do what we can to prevent it. But if, if it happens, it happens. And, and like, I embraced that. Like, even though she said she could cause me thousands of dollars in damage, I was like, you are the one for me because you <laughs> didn't hide it. You, know? <laughs> you didn't get around the bush. You just say, hey, here's the way it is. Yeah. So yeah, just, you know, there's a way to approach things. And if you can just be sincere about it and still get the point across, obviously it's, it's probably a sales discussion. But if you just say, Hey, this is a sales discussion, (laughs) I'm not going to waste your time. And here's the reasons why I think you should at least hear me out. Then I'll probably hear you out. 
Excellent. All right. So last question, we call it our acceleration insight. If you could give sales, marketing, or consultants just one piece of advice that if you felt they followed would help them achieve their targets or crush their quotas or goals, what would it be and why? Probably along the same lines as just the last question, transparency. I think people are oversold these days. And there, there's a term from a while back called banner blindness when people would, when AdSense was, was super huge, obviously it's still huge, but you know, people look at ads on websites and they just kind of skip over them and they have that banner blindness and it's, and that's kind of proliferated into other areas of the world where they're, we're just oversold and, and people want authenticity. And a good example is I really embraced LinkedIn lately and I, I, I wiped the dust off and, and actually use it instead of just having my bio there. And, um, in me sharing stories authentically and offering advice for free, it's, it's probably brought in 150 grand in extra contracts in the last six months for me being, being passive. Like I don't want to be the pukey sales guy. Right. Um, and so I, you know, figure out who you are. Obviously you want to make money. If, if you're cool being the aggressive sales guy, then go be the aggressive sales guy. But if you don't want to be that guy, then that's cool too. Just be transparent and authentic and, and figure it out. Yeah, authenticity all the way. I'm with you 100%. Perfect. Damon, if the listener's interested in talking more about what we talked on today, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Website for SEO, national, or what What works best for you? Yeah, the, the business side would be seonational.com if, if there's something I can help you out with on that route. Um, and then I, I blog about entrepreneurship on my, my personal site, damonburton.com. And, and then, like I said, I do a lot on LinkedIn. So find me on LinkedIn and, and you'll probably find some interesting stuff on there. Excellent. I can't thank you enough for being on the show. It's been an excellent conversation. I really appreciate the time. Yeah, no, thank you. It's been a pleasure as well. All right, everybody that does it for this episode, you know the drill, b2brevexec.com. Share the episode with friends, family, coworkers, smoke signals, whatever you need to do to get the word out. Read us a review on iTunes. And until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.